Hey, what's going on, friends and fans? Another big podcast for you this month. We're going to be talking about selling during times of economic uncertainty. I think that's where we're at, isn't it? (laughs) So we've got some advice on how to deal better with prospects, active clients, those you're selling to. We also have Mike Obert coming online here from Texas, answering listener questions. Coming in from Gail in Chicago, Terry from Cleveland, David from San Jose. We'll talk subject lines. We'll talk about important sales tools. And then, of course, Charity Hub from January Spring, talking about some digital ad sales strategies. Friends, all that and so much more straight ahead. Stick around, stay close. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Hey, how you doing, friends and fans? Glad to have you here on another edition of the podcast. Man, so much going on out there in the world. Economic uncertainty is what we're going to talk about. Wah, wah, wah. Kind of a downer subject, right? Well, hey, I want to get you pumped up and get you ahead of the storm as we sell through Yet again, another time of economic uncertainty. It's not like we haven't been here before. Hey, did you pick up a copy of my new book, Selling Forward, over on Amazon? Uh, You can find it on uh, Amazon. You can listen to it on Audible. And if you've got a Kindle or iPad reader, you can find that in the iTunes store as well. Hey, don't forget now, it's not just about me making money. Uh, The net proceeds, all net proceeds uh, from my new book, Selling Forward, Uh, Go to our friends at the Golden Harvest Food Bank, a part of the Feeding America Network. Personal story for me. Um, I had a great childhood, but there were times when food was a little limited. And I don't want any child or family. You shouldn't either. We don't want anyone to go through that. And so whenever you buy the book Selling Forward, um, you're going to get some great sales strategies as well as you're going to be helping families in need. All right. So let's not talk politics. That's a different podcast. Ooh, that'd be fun, though, right? (laughs) Let's just talk about economic uncertainty. Economic uncertainty means different things to different people, right? So rather than talk politics, let's just talk in general about economic uncertainty and how it's impacting our customers and how we potentially sell to them. So let me cover three points with you. And the first point is going to be getting ahead of the storm. Second point is going to be all about selling value and differentiating yourself. And the third point is going to be about stepping up your activity. So let me give you those three points ahead and let's talk about each one of them. All right. Number one, getting ahead of the storm. For me, getting ahead of the storm is about controlling the narrative. If you control a narrative, they're going to be hearing your clients will be hearing and you'll be saying what you want them to hear. Unfortunately, according to Adrian Brody, professor at Wake Forest University, humans are hardwired to dismiss facts that don't fit their viewpoint. Okay, let's not debate facts, okay? (laughs) Let's just talk about it. People are nervous out there right now. Business owners are nervous out there right now. So when you think about getting ahead of the storm and controlling the narrative, it's about you being positive, you controlling the messaging that you want about your company to get in front of your potential clients. Now, what I like to do during times of economic uncertainty is just get on the phone, talk to those folks, talk to your customers, Understand where they're coming from. Walk a day in their shoes. It's very, very important. But the more important thing is social proof. Social proof is you mentioning to them that they are not alone 
and that other businesses like theirs are keeping on keeping on. Now, I'm not saying that's true in every circumstance, but you have customers, advertisers, customers, clients, whatever. You have folks that are continuing on with their marketing or whatever it is that that you sell to them, their subscriptions, whatever it is. And so social proof is about you ethically name dropping other businesses as much as you can talk about it that are keeping on keeping on. Now, remember, typically businesses that keep on keep on during times of uncertainty, they exit a recession or they exit the pandemic doing better than those that battened down the hatches and pulled back and did nothing. So point number one, getting ahead of this storm. All right. Number two, during times of economic uncertainty, you need to sell value, whatever it is that you're selling. So you need to focus on the now. How can you impact somebody right now? See a lot of products, services, marketing, software, you name it, is really about impact that's going to happen six months from now. Hey, friends, people are really concerned about six months from now. Okay, so let's focus on the now with them. How can our product or service impact them right now? And we need to do that by separating ourselves, differentiating ourselves. What is your differentiating factor? I like to call it my D factor, and that stands for Dorn, the Dorn factor. No, I'm kidding. The D factor, what's your differentiating factor? What is something you, your business, your service, whatever, does that's different? And it has to be beyond you. Of course, you're different. We're all different. It has to be something that differentiates you from everybody else. Now, the reason this is important is because, especially in the marketing business, where a lot of my friends and fans live, if there's two companies that are advertising, everybody follow me on this. It's kind of, kind of interesting. If there's two companies that are advertising right now and each one of them has set their volume level to 10, if one of those companies turns their volume to five, the other company is just louder. It's called the law of being loud. And I kind of came up with that, I think. The law of being loud. The law of being loud is if two speakers in a room are both talking at a volume of 10 and one starts talking at a volume of five, The other speaker doesn't need to get any louder to be louder by nature of the other speaker going from a 10 volume to a five volume. The other just seems louder. It's sort of like in a crowd of people. Maybe you've been in a crowd of people and you were talking just at a normal volume to a friend. And then all of a sudden the room got quiet for a reason. And whatever you were saying, all of a sudden sounded really, really loud. It's called the law of being loud. So for those of you listening in the marketing business, never forget whenever an advertiser says to you, hey, we're going to kind of turn the volume down a little bit. By nature of turning your volume down, your competition doesn't have to do anything to sound louder. So number one, getting ahead of the storm, controlling the narrative. Number two, selling value, which are D factor and that volume up and down example. And then number three, selling in times of economic uncertainty, stepping up your game, stepping up your activity. When things are getting bad out there, you need to step up your game. You need to get on the phone a lot more. You need to polish up your LinkedIn profile. You need to be positioning yourself as a thought leader. You need to be going on LinkedIn, following your clients and commenting and liking, following your clients' companies and commenting and liking, following them on Instagram, Facebook, etc., commenting, sharing, liking. During a time of uncertainty, people need to feel like someone's looking out for them. And guess who that person is? That would be you, my friends, because if every outreach you have with your customers is a sales outreach, you're just a salesperson. See, what I want to do is position myself and I want you to potentially position yourself 
as a helper, as an advisor, as a trusted advisor. Because if you're just a salesperson, you're a salesperson like everybody else. And that's sort of a wah, wah, wah kind of moment. Just consider, friends, are you in sales? Are you out there to advise and help people? See, 50% of my outreaches to my current clients are typically retention-based non-sales outreaches. Remember now, customer service is expected. Everybody does that. So that's not a differentiating factor, typically. A differentiating factor are all the things that you do better or different beyond great customer service. Get personal with people during times of economic uncertainty. Stop all the mass emails. Nobody reads mass emails anymore. Who, does, who keeps talking about that? I mean, does email work? Yeah, especially if it's personalized. Grow your brand. Get personal with folks. Step up your activity. Maybe you'd be thinking about, what am I going to do to grow 22 new customers in 22? Something along those lines. So first and foremost, I want you to be thinking about getting ahead of the storm, controlling the narrative, getting on the phone, providing a lot of social proof. Second thing, selling value, focusing on the now, sharing your D factors, and remember that volume up and down scenario. And then the third thing is stepping up your activity, specifically your non-sales activities beyond customer service. Get personal with them. Stop the mass emails. Be very relevant and specific to them. And, and then on LinkedIn, really grow your brand. Friends, you always have to remember this. I say it at the end of every podcast. I'll say it now. If sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And we survived 06, 07, 08, that recession. We survived and some of us even thrived throughout the pandemic. And now we're going through another time of economic uncertainty. And here's the deal. We will survive. I mean, friends, my first book was written in 08, right after the Great Recession. This next book, Selling Forward, was written right after the pandemic. So it's really well positioned right now to really, really get ahead of the storm. Read the book. Help me donate some to charity. It's called Selling Forward over on Amazon, Audible, and Kindle. Help me help you help others. Hey friends, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't have some sponsors here of the podcast. So if you would do me a favor, give me like 45 to 50 seconds here to pay some bills and we'll be back with Charity Huff, digital strategist, and we'll be talking to Mike Gobert about your listener questions. Stick around, stay close. We'll be back in 45 seconds after these messages. This podcast is brought to you in part by the mechanical artisans at Monterey Watches, creating gorgeous, one-of-a-kind timepieces by hand just for you or as an incentive for sales teams. Ryan Dorn proudly wears his Monterey Watches, and you can find them on Instagram. Search for Monterey Watches. Also, a big thank you to the virtual team at open-look.com your outsourcing experts. From virtual assistants to data cleanup to sales, the team at OpenLook will lighten your workload and increase your profits. Learn more online at open-look.com. How about digital revenue growth? Do you want your share of digital profits? Get signed up with the digital experts at januaryspring.com. From launch to sales to cashing in on those digital marketing profits, get on a strategy call with januaryspring.com. Hey, did you know that Ryan has a new book out? Yes, he does. It's called Selling Forward, and you can find it on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. Be sure to check it out. Selling Forward, the new sales book by Ryan Dorn. Free shipping for Amazon Prime members. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your host, Ryan Dorn. 
Thank you, Deb. Appreciate that. Thanks, friends, for letting me uh, pay some bills. I sure appreciate that uh, as well. Hey, have you gone over to Amazon and picked up my new book called Selling Forward? My first book was called Selling Backwards. We wrote that in 06, 07, 08 during that recession. And now coming out of the pandemic into this economic downturn, I've got Selling Forward, where all the net proceeds are going to go to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. Maybe you're a Kindle or an iPad reader. You can find it for that as well, and an audio version as well. So over on Amazon, Selling Forward, Ryan Dorn, D-O-H-R-N. Now, friends, you know, one of my most favorite parts of the podcast is when I dial dial in Denver's own Charity Huff from January spring. And uh, Charity just got done talking a little about about the economic uh, downturn and just kind of wondering if, um, you know, people pretty much kind of know what programmatic is, but trying to figure out if there's new things that we could be saying to our advertisers to help them better understand what we do and maybe what we can do to help them better understand sort of audience curation and things like that. Yeah. You know, this has been a hot topic. Um, Again, I think it's because people are getting out, people are traveling, right? Like there's some normalcy to our lives. And so geofencing is top of mind for a lot of advertisers. Um, Natasha and Anne-Marie from our team just recently did a webinar for our sales channels. And um, when they talk about geofencing, Let me step back and say first, geofencing, again, is where you draw a virtual boundary around a physical location in Mm -hmm. um, whether it's a competitor's location or maybe it's a place of interest around town. It's the Whole Foods if you're going after foodies, that kind of thing. And what happens is when somebody walks into the geofence with their mobile phone in their pocket or their purse, we pick up the fact that they have visited that location and then we start serving them ads for up to 30 days. And it's a great way to identify just your people because somebody that is going into a competitor Italian restaurant obviously loves Italian food and should know about your Italian restaurant. Right. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about geofencing, like at its core. Um, but um, there's other things that you can do with geofencing. And one of those examples is um, our friend Lori out in um in Hilton Head, right. she she services high-end luxury ad, you know, advertisers and consumers. So she has um, uh, real estate agents that want to target pockets of Hilton Head based off of who lives in those neighborhoods. Ah. So she's actually geofencing a whole neighborhood. You know, people always think of geofencing as just geofencing a building or a household, but you can actually geofence a whole neighborhood or an entire golf course, right? And then pick up people that way as well. Right. And like in the B2B folks that are listening today too, uh, geofencing trade shows. Oh, yeah. Um, Sending charity a list of an Excel spreadsheet of the addresses of where your readers, uh, either their offices, their manufacturing facilities, uh, their home addresses. I mean, you'll target them within a meter of their home address. Um, I think there's just a bunch of different things that B2B folks can do, you know, uh, as well. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great example. We do what's called an addressable geofence for a lot of our business to business publishers. And so it is your subscriber list. And, um, you know, like think of something even obscure, all of the foundries in North America, all of the right. molybdenum mines in North and South America. Right. Like right. super specific where you're like, I just need the guard shack as you're going on to the mine site, because that's 
where everybody passes by every day. Right, right. And I mean, I mean, so there's so many different things that can be done. And that's why I feel like a lot of B2B folks say, oh, that's a consumer thing. And I just don't really uh, think that it is. I know we've got some good sized publishers out there, media companies that are using this type of targeting to really benefit other customers. For example, um, at the niche media event that Charity and I just were talking about, um, we've got data from that event. And so we're using that data uh, to be able to better target these folks for future you know, future right. events um, that, right. are going to be, that are going to be coming up. So is that the audience, audience curation piece where we're kind of curating these audiences or are you kind of setting up audiences in advance so that you can go to an advertiser and say, hey, so you want all the moms in the area. We own, we've got that already figured out. You want all the insurance people in town, the insurance agents. We've got that figured out. Is that what you kind of mean when you're curating audiences or do you mean something different? No, gold star. That's exactly right. So geofencing is its own tactic where you're drawing that virtual boundary and picking up people because they've walked into that location, walked onto that golf course, walked you know, through that guard shack, whatever that right. might be. Right. Audience curation is targeting people at a, at a commercial building or in their physical residence household based off of the makeup of the people that are in that building. So um, it could be, right, I want to target all the moms in zip code 80204. And so I can find all the households that have children in the, in the house, right? Or it could be that I want to find people based off of their occupation. For our parent magazines right now, we're doing a ton of stuff where we're targeting teachers, right? People who have the job description of teacher, or maybe it's military, or maybe it's nurse, right? So you can find people that way, but you're targeting them in their home based off of that. No, that's great. And some of you have said to me on our coaching calls or larger group calls, hey, um, we don't really have any more website traffic to sell. Like our impressions are tapped out. So let's just say as an example, you've got 100,000 impressions a month. You got three ads on every page. You're sold out at 300,000 ad impressions. You're sold out. Well, the nice thing about the audience extension with this is, hey, these ads don't have to run on your website to be to be right. uh, very effective. You can extend that audience out to all kinds of different websites. So when people say to me, Charity, you might feel the same way. Well, I don't have any more website traffic. Well, there's a lot of traffic out there that you can attach yourself to, right? That's exactly right. And audience extension is the perfect way to describe it to an advertiser. The way I coach our publishers is to say, we continue to invest in our digital and our digital presence on behalf of our advertising clients. One of the things that we can do for you is extend the reach of your advertising off of our site to people who look like our readers and who are exactly your target customer. And that goes across all categories, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And it's just, it's a matter of, I think the best salespeople are creative. <laughs> and so whatever we can do to help you be as creative as possible, um, I feel like I'm, I'm better in sales because of a level of creativity, but a lot of creativity stems from knowledge. Like you can't be creative without having the knowledge to back up the creativity um, because you're not going to know what to do. So I just encourage everybody, get on the webinars the charity does, get on the webinars that I do, attend as many conferences as possible. I mean, the more educated you are, in my opinion, the more dangerous, you know, uh, you, you know, you become. Indeed, indeed. The nice thing about digital, in my opinion, is that it's always evolving. So it's important yeah. for us as sales professionals to keep up with what's happening because there's always new opportunity. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. 1,000%. So, all right. Thank you, my friend. Charity Huff, everybody, from January Spring in Denver, Colorado. You can reach out to her, charity at JanuarySpring.com, or the website is JanuarySpring.com. Thanks so much, Charity. All right, friends, let's turn, do a little bit of turn on the road here from digital strategy over to sales strategy. And we've got some great questions. Do we have them dialed in? Let's dial in Mike Obert from open-look.com, open-look business solutions. Mike, glad to have you with us as we're talking these questions, listener questions. Questions sent in to Ryan at ryandorn.com. Let's kick things off. we got Gail from Chicago, Terry from Cleveland, and David from San Jose. So let's kick things off with Gail from Chicago. Are customers understanding what's happening with the economy? If so, what should we be changing in our sales approach? Mike, what are you kind of thinking as we talk through this? Yeah, no, uh, I think understanding the industry that you are selling to. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if you're a city regional, let's say, and you've got different industries that you're going to be selling into, uh, just kind of figuring out, okay, I'm going to go talk to a bank today. Well, what's the challenges at the bank? Well, they're not doing any, you know, uh, refinancing of mortgages right now. They're not doing some of the some of the stuff that was really hot for them 18 months ago to 24 months ago. That's been my biggest realization now is like some markets are so hot right now. Other markets, like you go to a car dealership around uh, Dallas here and there's no cars. <laughs> so right. it's just understanding what market that you're selling to and where they where they fit into the economy and what's going on with them. Does that, right. does that make sense? It does make, it makes a lot of sense. And as you were talking, I looked up Investopedia, the Wikipedia for investing, just so we're all on the same page. So I asked it, what are, what is a recession? A recession is a period of declining uh, economic performance across an entire economy that lasts for several months. So, I mean, I don't think that's the technical definition, but that's a pretty decent definition. So not getting political, I think we just need to, it is what it is. <laughs> I hate that. Right. I hate that yeah. statement, but just get prepared on your objections. And then maybe on future shows, if we do see some problems, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out together. So yep. good thoughts, you know, and then don't forget what we talked about uh, at the top of the podcast, those three main things, getting ahead of the storm, uh, controlling your narrative, uh, selling value rather than price, differentiating yourself. I mean, getting off price as quickly as you can. <laughs> is super important. And then as we talked about earlier, just really getting good at, you know, stepping up your activity. So thanks, Gail from Chicago. And I see the Cubs are doing good. Keep going, Cubs. Uh, keep winning. Okay. Um, so Terry from Cleveland, Terry, uh, T-E-R-I, Terry from Cleveland. Um, Ryan and Mike, what do you feel are your most important sales tools? So I have to just, I have to give a, a plug for my friend, Mike, at open look. One of my best sales tools is using virtual, all my virtual assistants and social media is all done through, through open look. So there you go, Mike, a little uh, plug for you. That's Thank my you. sales tool, but <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I like, um, I like hunter.io, Terry, hunter.io lets me find um, email addresses of people at companies that I can't typically find. So I really like that um, a lot. One of the other tools that I like, because yeah, I use Gmail, um, is the Gmail plugin called GMass. Um, it allows me to do mass email marketing from a Google Sheet that appears uh, individually to people. So I can control kind of my own marketing as a salesperson just through a, a spreadsheet of people. So I use that if I'm collecting advertising for deadlines, if I'm selling events, if I'm doing software sales or whatever, I like GMass. I use that a lot. I'm also a big fan of MixMax. Uh, MixMax is a online paid tool. Um, so is GMAS if you want to use all the features. Um, uh, MixMax is an online paid tool 
that allows you to create sales sequences. So if I'm trying to sell Mike, I could create a sequence of say five emails that'll go out uh, a sequence of every three business days. I can load Mike into that sequence and it'll automatically start kicking those things out. And then just in general, I'm a big fan of using a CRM. Um, there's a lot of them out there, but I'm a yeah. big fan of CRMs because if you remember everybody you called on yesterday, probably you didn't call enough people. And, and also, <laughs> um, and now I've got my 50th birthday, uh, Mike, coming up this month. And oh. so I think I'm going to start forgetting things uh, more and more. So that's why I like it. It's going to happen to you. And you <laughs> you're going to have to wear more glasses and <laughs> right. that kind yeah. of stuff. What are your tools, oh. some of the tools you use, Mike, in your yeah. sales process? Um, you know, you've said this in the past, too. It's like understanding your technology. So stuff like Zoom, um, there's a lot of things that you can do on Zoom that people uh, don't realize that they can do or understand that they can do. But having those face-to-face online meetings. Um, I rarely do any phone calls anymore. It's normally on Zoom um, so that you can get that interaction with a potential customer or client. Um, So I I think uh, things like that are are very important. I totally agree with the CRM um, uh, using something like a a HubSpot or something like that, Um, knowing the engagement that you're getting with uh, emails and People that are clicking on proposals, I mean, those things are invaluable to know uh, where you stand in the sales cycle with potential customers. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Lots of them out there. um, And it's important for you to check them all out, see what they can do for you. Um, Last question. uh, David from San Jose has got a good question. What um, subject lines are working these days? We're selling in a different world. Uh, What subject lines are moving uh, to to, to help you get replies? Are we moving, Ryan and Mike, to an all-email sales process? So two questions, uh, subject lines and all-email sales process. Hey, let's address the last thing first. So are we moving to an all-email sales process? I'm going to get, Mike, I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to guess that you say, no, not exactly. (laughs) I'm going to say, no, almost. (laughs) How about that? Um, But you find that we do a lot of work via email, but you said most of your meetings are on Zoom and so are mine. So I would say, David, Mike, and I probably agree that all email is not a complete sales process and the phone can be a differentiating factor. So just leaving people voicemails so they can hear your charisma, asking them for an email reply is, is great. Now, yeah. uh, Mike, I'll let you think of a couple while I'm sharing this. My favorite subject lines, as I've shared for years, a date. So if I want to meet with somebody on May the 12th, the subject line is May 12 question mark. Um, I like the subject line. Have you considered this? I like that one. And then if I haven't got an answer from somebody, I like yes, no, maybe. Um, So yes, no, maybe. And then the body of the email is like, hey, what's your decision on this proposal? Is it a yes? Is it a no? Is it a maybe? Um, So I also don't want people to get overly clever. I think that subject lines like free lunch and about those pictures and, you know, just People that things are kind of silly about you know, those like, pictures. Yeah, I've heard it before. You know, I think those kind of things are so salesy that people it's gimmicky. Yeah. It's kind of silly. But I will tell you this, the name of a competitor of one of their competitors really raises people's blood pressure. So if you're gutsy, that might be a good one. Yeah. What, what do you use, uh, Mike, for subject lines? I, one thing you did say in there is I have done this in the past where if I'm going to a city and I'm trying to get appointments in that city. So let's say I'm going to New York and. Uh, in the middle of June, I'll put June 15th, 10 a.m. See you then. 
And people will respond <laughs> to that. Like, uh, I don't have an appointment with you then. I'm like, I know you don't, but uh, I'll be there. <laughs> right. Can you meet? So people will respond to that, but I'm also finding like actually putting almost like the guts of the email in the subject line. I don't want to make it too long, but deadline is Friday. Uh, you know, please, please confirm. Uh, right. So that it's giving them, they're looking at that subject line, whether it's on their phone or something, and they know immediately what that email is about. And like you said, if, if you're too salesy in your subject line, and people don't have time for that, they just want to swipe and go yeah. to the next email. Exactly. So that's that's what I'm finding is working for me is putting, hey, what, what do I exactly want in that email subject line of please send your, uh, please send your ad contents in by Friday. Right. And that's typically getting people to respond to me. I also, David uh, and Mike, I like if I need, if, if, if an action is needed, I'll put in all capital letters, action needed colon, and then what it is that I need in the subject line yeah. or um, reply needed in all capitals with a colon. And, um, and then what it is that I, that I need right. um, or please, uh, I've used this one today, actually, please reply. Yep. Um, colon. And I put so, please, I used it today. I put please confirm. Yes. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, and a lot of that is about assumptive based sales. Like I'm assuming that you want to have a meeting with me or, or whatever. So, um, you know, Gail um, from Chicago, I think we'll come back and update that as, as we see things progress, uh, you know, in the economy, uh, Terry from Cleveland, there's so many sales tools. I should probably do a blog that I'm sure I'd leave somebody out. And David from San Jose, I think that you need to test subject lines extensively. Like don't send one and consider that a test. I think a test is using something 20 or 30 times uh, to really, you know, use the law of averages, the law of numbers of averages to kind of see where you're, where you're coming from, but keep your questions coming. Ryan at Ryan Dorn.com. My, my favorite time of the month, Ryan is answering these questions. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate that very, very much. Open dash look.com Mike at open dash look.com for all your virtual outsourcing needs. Hey friends, love to come and speak to your national sales meetings. Been doing a lot of that lately. Really thrilled. Uh, to be getting back there and getting back out on the road. So reach out to me. I've got pretty limited availability, but I'd love to come to speak to your national sales meeting. If we can't do that, maybe we'll do something virtual or head over to Amazon, Kindle or Audible and get the new book Selling Forward. My new book and all the net proceeds from it are going to be going to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. So very happy to support all of them. Your listener questions, send them to Ryan at RyanDorn.com, D-O-H-R-N. And just never forget, friends, if sales was easy, everybody would be doing it. And they're not. We're not crazy, friends. We're the chosen few. This is a career that will feed your family for a lifetime. All right, friends, get out there. God bless you. We'll see you next month. We've got another exciting show on prospecting and new business development coming up next. So stick around and stay close for that. We'll see you on the next podcast. Bye-bye.